Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 618. Create your own reality. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that'll jumpstart a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabite dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost Jump Starter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, George Saidis. George, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Most definitely. <laughs> All right. Great to have you here. George Saidis is a photographer who specializes in automotive studio and location photography with an emphasis on classic in exotic cars. His favorite projects are commissions where he creates a unique one-of-one single print collectible images. He uses photography to create a story and one technique is using psychological layering in his images that act as time bombs on the viewer's unconscious. I've got to learn more about that. That's very cool. <laughs> now living in the Santa Cruz Mountains in California, George attended Parsons School of Design in New York. His editorial work has adorned over 45 publications worldwide and his photography has been exhibited in galleries and concours events worldwide as well. So, George, I've told our listeners just a tiny bit about you. Would you take a brief moment to share a little bit more about your career, your love for photography, and, of course, your passion for automobiles? Wonderful. Thank you, uh, Mark, for having me on the show. You're welcome. Very briefly, yes, I was born in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. Um, I grew up playing stickball, and we had block parties. It was the 1970s. It was a great time. And I remember the little Hot Wheels cars that I had at that time with the orange tracks. And oh, I, was yeah. just, I was just in love with cars. I was just in love with cars from that moment. So, you know, with other friends in the neighborhood, we used to make all kinds of different uh, creations with those. But uh, when I was around 12 years old, actually, I moved to, uh, to Athens, Greece. Wow. Yeah, my sister, is, uh, she is five years older than me, and she wanted to go to, uh, to university there. And at that time, my mom, I just, you know, she took me, she left dad back in New York, took me and my sister, went to Athens, Greece. And, uh, when I was there the first year, uh, she bought me my first camera and it was, uh, it was a Zenit. It was a Russian camera. She got off of a Russian tourist at the time and my love for photography started. Cool. So now at that age, I'm not, now I'm combining things. Now I'm seeing, okay. What can I do with the cars and what can I do with the Yeah, <laughs> with, with the, the camera. camera. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, and I was sort of self-taught at that point. I was so excited to to learn uh, so many things about it, and it was all fresh and new. 
Yeah. So I started to experiment, and it was with film. Um, I, I wasn't using chemicals at the time. I, used the, uh, I started to print on my own, I think, uh, when I was about 16, mm-hmm. 15 or 16 years old, when I got none larger. But um, that was, yeah, that's my basis. And eventually that led me to uh, partial school design when I was, when I was much older, and um, I uh, pursued photography there in New York. And that's when I also began to work um, sort of in both worlds, the art world in photography and the commercial wor- world in car photography. Yeah. Because I had... I'd created a portfolio um, that that served both purposes, really. The art world was interested in it, and also the commercial world was interested in it. Well, I'll tell our listeners, uh, when you have a chance to go to George's website, and that'll be posted on his show notes page here at Cars yeah, check out the work because a very different attack on photography here, what George does. That's what intrigued me so much when I first found out about you, George, looking at your website and going, Okay, here's a guy that looks at things very differently, very artistic eye that you have there, and I think it's fantastic. I love your work so much. It's really great. And we're going to learn a lot more about you as we continue on this journey. But first, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote or a mantra, something that has inspired you throughout the years. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, George, take the wheel. Uh, my mantra would be create your own reality. Mm. Now I've actually posted that on my on my website. It's it's on the homepage, mm-hmm. and I put it up this year because it really meant I, I was following this for years without even realizing it consciously, and then it became very very conscious uh, maybe about seven eight nine years ago that you know I was like I think I'm the architect of of everything that I'm doing. It's not just random lucky things that are happening to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that there's, there, there, there may be a percentage of that involved, but I start to know that, you know what, the more control, the more I think about something, the more I'm creating it. <laughs> and so, yeah. <laughs> that's funny how that happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know it's a very, very simplistic thought, but I simply started to realize that a little bit, a little bit deeper. And I started to actually f- follow the advice of certain, let's say, teachers in life, um, who would say just, it could be anybody. Mm-hmm. anybody that I would come across. And they'd say a, a, a wise phrase. And I'm like, oh, wait a second. Oh, that makes sense. It's really simple, but it makes sense. Yes. And I would just follow those little leads. And eventually I, I came to that conclusion, like, wait a second. You know, I can I can write these things down. And I can start to get, you know, to write them in, in detail as well. Mm-hmm. And see how they manifest. See if, they can, if I can create this the way I wanted to. And it would happen happen the same way yeah it's really interesting and it is simplistic when you stop and think about it but so many people don't realize that the things they focus on are the things they become and if they tend to focus on negativity or the bad things that have happened to them it just keeps growing and growing upon itself but if you focus on the great things focus on the positive it's kind of the proverbial half glass full half empty concept if you will but that's where your life will go and that's where you'll end up heading and that's where uh, most of your time will be spent. So uh, I like that very much. It makes sense with what you're doing in life for sure, and especially the uh, very unique path that you've taken with a lot of your photography. So very cool. Well, let's go back in time. You, know, you had a very interesting childhood to move to Greece from New Jersey. Oh, my gosh, what a cultural shock that must have been. I'd love for you to share a story that instigated your passion for cars. It sounds like you loved cars as a kid like I did, had all the Hot Wheels tracks. I had the orange tracks going all through the house. I'm like, Mom would always say, pick those things up. I'm tripping over them. But will you tell us about a pivotal moment in your life when you realized that you really were a car guy? Yes, there was. And I remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, 1969, I was four years old 
and it was the Batmobile. Oh, right. Cool. It was the Corgi model Batmobile. I'll never forget it. Yeah. Uh, very interesting. Something, something clicked. And that's why it stayed in my mind until today. When I looked at it, it, because it was so odd, unique, I'd had never seen anything like that before. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't watching TV at the time. Okay. <laughs> so you didn't see the, the classic Batman on TV. Exactly. I saw it much later when I was older. Okay. But at that time, I was only four years old. And uh, well, I, re- I remember handling the car. I don't remember how I got it, how I, how I acquired it. And I don't remember how I lost it. But I remember the moment when I was when I was clearly looking at the Batman and the Robin and the design of it and the um, just the shape of it. Yeah, and it, it intrigued me. Just like the the tail, the the, the front, everything was looked so unique. I, and obviously, I'd never seen that on the street. And no, probably not. <laughs> not unless you lived in Gotham. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I knew from that moment that I, there's something about cars. I'm, I'm I'm connected to cars in some way, and I want to see more of this. And more of the uniqueness of cars. Yeah, you know, when you think of the late, great George Barris and the designs and how they affected so many of us, I had that same model car. Uh, I built plastic models of the Batmobile and the George Barris cars, the bubble cars and all those things that he did. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, those are those uh, moments in time you just go, whoa, somebody thought of this? I mean, <laughs> it was just crazy. And I'll tell you, like, I had the luxury of spending a day with with Adam West, the classic Batman, the original Batman, and the Batmobile number three, which was owned by a gentleman who lived up in the Pacific Northwest. We photographed that car. Adam West joined us. I got to spend a whole day with him. He is just a delightful guy. Uh, he is such a kind gentleman. Uh, everyone knows who he is. He's so genuine to everyone when they stop and want a picture or anything. So, uh, yeah, the classic Batman, he likes to be called. Very cool. <laughs> Well, George, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down, crawl under the hood, and ask you to share a huge challenge or even a big failure that you faced along the way in your career. But of course, the most important part of this question has to do with how you overcame that situation and even more importantly, what did it teach you? So take us to that painful time, walk us through it, and then walk us out of it. Well, the painful times, well, it could be, it's a combination possibly of business and life itself. Mm-hmm. I think there was, a, there was a point where the, there was a dissatisfaction in my, in my, in my family, basically, that, um, that I was going to follow photography and I wasn't going to follow medicine, for example. Mm. Uh, these were sort of ideas from an older age, uh, in protection of the family, because they yeah. thought that, you know, I, I would be, f- uh, financially better off yeah. if I did other work mm-hmm. rather than be, than be an artist. Oh, yeah. So that was, that, that was painful to a certain degree. And at some point, I had to make terms with it and I had to say, you know what? It doesn't, um, you know, I love you guys, but I really have to make a choice on my own now. Right. And that's when I went to Parsons and it, to their dismay and their disappointment to a certain degree. They sort of got used to it afterwards, but, um, it was, it was a very painful decision for me to sort of let go of that need to have that approval from them. Mm, yes. At that moment. And it became a pivotal moment and a, a jump, a serious jump. All of a sudden there was an opening in my creativity once I made that choice. Mm. You embraced it. Right, exactly. Because it wasn't, there, there was, there were stages before that. I was always creative, always being part of something, creating something, a painting, a sculpture, uh, a photograph. But the jump there was, was, was huge because it put me into a forum where there were many other kids like that mm-hmm. as well. Uh, some had the same background. Many didn't, but it didn't matter. Because at that point, I had made a choice to like to be in that space where everyone was creative. Everyone was, it was all, it was acceptable, basically. Um, 
this is something that I think a lot of young people go through. And I've had many artists, photographers, fine artists, painters, sculptors, builders, designers of cars that chose a career path in creativity and the family kind of browed, you know, furled their mm-hmm. brow and went, uh, shouldn't you be a lawyer or a businessman or <laughs> the traditional things? Of course, the world needs those. I have a lot of friends that are doing those very successfully, but what's a takeaway you can share with that young person listening out there or even an older person who's decided to make a career change and follow their passion, follow what they want to do? What can you share with them to help them get through what they're probably dealing with, which is like what you dealt with? I think it's preparation. Hmm. In other words, prepare to make that change. Mm -hmm. For some, it may be an abrupt change and they have the ability to do so. But I think if you're also prepared in your own mind of where you want to go, then it's easier to, to talk to your parents about it because you've already set a stage that I'm going to go here. I'm not just going to simply say what I feel and get angry at them and, and, and make a, a decision out of anger. Mm-hmm. And go somewhere where you might stumble and say, oh, this is actually worse than where I was before. Right. So by preparing, I think what it does is it just makes a smoother transition because now you know what direction you want to put your energy in. There you go. Very wise advice. Great advice for people out there that want to take that path. And yeah, it's it's a struggle. I've heard this many times from guests here in Cars. Yeah, in the pressures of society, the pressures of family, mm-hmm. the pressures of friends going, what are you going to do? That's, mm-hmm. that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. The world is a better place for people like you that take that chance, take that approach, take that direction, take that path in life, because we end up getting to be so much more enriched by the things that are created by creative people. Very well said. I appreciate you sharing that uh, very personal moment in your life and time. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a career aha moment. It's a time when I like to say the headlights come on and kind of illuminate your way for a new direction, a new path that you've chosen to take. And tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment into a success. My aha moment was in my sophomore year at Parsons. I had created a 10-piece portfolio for a color class, and I completed it towards the uh, towards the end of the of the season, the school year in 1997, and that was around June, mm-hmm. June or July. And I had won two awards for them. They had put, posted them up in the in the gallery on 13th Street and Fifth Avenue. Oh, and wow. two of these images, yeah, it was, it was really nice that they were able to actually use, take the students' work and not just give us awards, but uh, and then nobody sees the images, but right. to actually show it to the rest of the world as well That's and see cool. the progress of the students. Very cool, yeah. Um, it was wonderful because that was the opportunity that that was coming my way. Those two images that were facing outwards onto the street were seen by a woman named Karen Brown. At the time, Karen Brown was working at a division of EMI, the record label, and the division was called Enclave. She saw those two images, called the school, called my portfolio in, and within within days, I set up a meeting with her, went to her office, showed her the 10-piece portfolio, and the first thing she said was, you need to speak to Jamie Kitman. Um, okay, I said. Not <laughs> okay. in who Jamie was. <laughs> yeah. like, right, Let's bring him on. Let's bring him on. And she called him right there. I'm like, okay, uh, let's see where this goes. <laughs> I don't yeah. know who this person is or where it's going. So she called Jamie and told him that in front of her is a gentleman from uh, Parsons School of Design. He has this great portfolio on cars, and you really need to see his work. So we tried to connect within that week, and we did. 
Mm-hmm. And I showed him my work, and I got a call uh, a week after that. So two weeks after I met Karen, I got my first job for Car Magazine UK. <laughs> Very cool. It was the photograph of Stanley Steamers in uh, in Boston. If I'm not mistaken, it was in Watertown, Boston, okay. and it was wonderful. It was it was fantastic. They had uh, they had the, the the cars on parade basically. So we went to the um, uh, to a meeting place. We, we we were able to actually see all the details of these cars. I'd never seen cars like that before. Steam cars from a hundred years ago. Almost. Oh yeah, and it was great. We got to ride in one. There was silence. Nice. nice. <laughs> yeah. I was told they reached a top speed of 125. Yeah. The, well, you think of the old Stanley Steamer, you know, the race race car. So That was it. Yeah. 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 And so from that moment, that was the moment. that Once I, I heard Car Magazine, and this is, this is commercial work. It wasn't fine art, but it didn't matter in my head because I was so... So connected to to wanting to shoot cars at that point, right? I was blindsided by everything. I had tunnel vision. I was like, I just want to shoot these cars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man, that must have been so exciting. And you know, the the first moment when somebody recognizes your work and then is willing to pay you for that work, uh, there's nothing like it. Exactly. Well, it must have made you very proud, which is a great segue to my next question. Mm-hmm. A proudest career moment. Is there one in particular that stands out? I would assume you've had many, but maybe share one with us. The latest project that I that I worked on about a year ago mm-hmm. that has that has turned into a book an actual um, a coffee table book on oh, a Ferrari nice uh, thank you it's um it's a project that took about probably I think around eight months eight to nine months possibly it was a restoration that was being done at Bruce Canapas oh nice shot by the way and and Bruce yes. has been a guest here on cars yeah I'm very familiar <laughs> with his work probably one of the best restoration shops in the country Oh, it's a fantastic place. And when I, when I first went, uh, went into his shop, into, basically into the dealership, and then found out there's a restoration shop, and then went upstairs to the museum. Yes. I was like, it was like an amusement park inside of a surgery room. <laughs> you know, I've never heard it described that way, but if, but having yeah. been there many times, that's exactly what it's like. It is. And it's just disguised as a restoration shop, you know? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> On top of that, um, just a wonderful place. Uh, if you're into cars, yes, it's it, it's fun. I don't know if, other, if if you're not a car lover, if that actually works that way. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a. If you're ever in Scotts Valley, uh, Santa Cruz area, you've got to visit uh, Canopy Design. Yeah, it's a wonderful place. The um, the first portfolio that I shot there was Autoscapes, mm-hmm. and I was shooting reflections off of the uh, off of the vehicles that were in the uh, in the dealership, mm. and I created basically the cars. It's raw photography, creating cars into uh, landscapes. Mm-hmm. When I was done with that portfolio, I wanted to move on to something else, and so I'd asked the marketing person. I couldn't find Bruce at that time, but I found the marketing person, John Fakara, mm-hmm. and, and I asked him, I said, John, is it possible you know, to, to go into the back of the restoration shop and... Uh, just, you know, get a couple of shots, just see what's going on. Is that cool? He said, yes. I was like, oh my goodness, it's getting better every day. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so I started to shoot. And when I went back there, there was a car that was wrapped in plastic. It was already been, the paint had been stripped off it. It was on the rotisserie mm-hmm. and it was wrapped in plastic. I'd never seen anything like that. It was, it was, it was surreal to see supercars broken down into, into nothing but a skeleton. Right. Without the wheels, um, an engine removed. It was really, it was, it was surreal for me to see cars in that state. I, I had never been to that type of, uh, restoration shop. I'd been to smaller ones for work, um, but not to that level. There right. were like 50 cars in, the, in, in all different states. Oh, yeah. Of, uh, repair or restoration. This one car caught my eye and it was, a Ferrari, it was a Ferrari 1965 275. Mm-hmm. And I kept going back to this car. All I want to do is shoot a 12 piece portfolio. Just shoot one final image 
of one in one car and then moved to, an, to another car and shoot 12 cars in total. Well, I was there for about two weeks and I kept shooting this car. <laughs> I, shooting this car. I was looking at other cars, but I kept focusing on this one. Yeah. And what happened was a very interesting story is that I turned to my right. I remember this very clearly. I turned to my right and I saw the rack where they had all the parts for this car at one point. And right in my face is the name Lotman. Lotman, Lotman. Where do I know that name from? I recognize that name. And it turns out two years before, I was, um, I was hired to, uh, to shoot Pebble Beach over a five-day period and shoot the final day, Concourse Sunday as well. And on the fifth day, Concourse Sunday, I was so tired of that because I was doing like 14-hour days. Mm-hmm. And I just, I was, I was doing my shoot. And at some point, I, I just kind of zoned out on my own in the meditative stage, just finding the shots that I needed. I wasn't really talking to anybody. It was strange because I usually <laughs> talk to a lot of people while at the concourses. But after five days, I really felt, okay, I just want to enjoy, you know, the, the, the my cars, work, yeah. the cars, and just, that's fine. And it was one car. It was, a, it, was a, it was a 507. It was a BMW 507. It was gorgeous. I walked up to it, and I was just attracted to it, just the law of attraction. Just I gravitated there, and I started to talk to the owner. Turns out it was this gentleman, Jeff Lotman. Same guy. <laughs> and I was like, is this the same guy? So I went home, I checked on my business cards. And I was like, I'd spoken to him two years ago. Mm. And so I sent him an email and I said, Jeff, do you buy any chance of a car up here in, in Bruce's? He goes, yes, yes, I have this Ferrari. I bought this wonderful Ferrari. I said, oh my goodness. Okay, here, here are the pictures. So <laughs> There you go. Make, make a long story short. We sort of convinced each other to do a photo documentary on this, nice. on this vehicle. Nice. And he's such an amazing gentleman. In my opinion, he's a true patron of the arts. Mm. He loved my style. It was very simple. He just said, go do what you, you know, do your thing. Yeah. Yeah, very And cool. so that's when I made a change, an even deeper change in my photography. And this is where I said, you know what? I have an opportunity to do anything I want artistically with this car. Bruce was, was, was very clear that this is a very fast restoration. Mm-hmm. So don't talk to anybody avoid uh, getting in anybody's way don't touch anything just allow the people to work and get the photographs you need as you as you can right and so it was a it was a challenge because the lighting was fluorescent was tungsten and yeah. daylight I had no control over any any of the lighting situations nor were were able to you know was able to actually you know, move parts around so i said you know what this is the biggest challenge of my life and i set out to create a fine art portfolio where each image could stand on its own, but mm-hmm. be, be part of an entire story right. as well. So layered together with it. And I'm going to make it look like I'd look like, like, uh, like studio shots as if I've taken them in studio. And sometimes I've spent up to 14, 15 hours on one picture alone. Oh my just gosh. moving. Yes. Just moving details around to get all the light and perfect in camera mm-hmm. with very little Photoshop afterwards. So I'm like, how can I pull this off? So I threw myself into the into the pit basically every day and said, okay, I have no idea what I'm going to come across, but I'm going to keep at it. In the end, I created a, a book, a one-off book nice. for, for the client. And he looked at it and he said, this, this is great. This, you need to show other people. I said, what do you mean, show the people? <laughs> yeah, do this for other people. <laughs> yeah, he goes, no, you need to show this to other people. I mean, like to get it out into the world. This is really nice work. I was like, oh, wow. You know, I never thought of it that way. So I was thinking, it, it wasn't it wasn't a selfish thought to just make one book, but it was um, it wasn't seeing the further the sort of the outside world where one has an ability and they want to inspire other people. Don't don't keep it to yourself. No. And I was acting completely okay. This is just the job, you know, being very professional, and this is what we, you know, this is what I've uh, agreed to to create one book. 
And then, you know, when he mentioned that, when he said that, a whole universe opened up. I was like, oh my goodness, this, you're right. The same way I've been inspired by other people. Why would I not want to show this to other people as well? There you go. So since I felt so close to the project too, and uh, we, yeah, we sent it basically to, um, to a publisher in New York. They, they loved the idea and it was, and, the, and it was ready. The, the, the project was ready. No one had to go out and, and redo this. Right. Yeah. It was already there. Yeah, and I'd photoshopped everything. I made my final edits as well. So it was just pretty much handed in, into their hands, as, and they, they created a wonderful, amazing layout for this book. And it, it was just released this past week. Oh, exciting! So it's a book that our listeners can get their hands on. Yes, yes, it is. Well, I can't wait to see and get a copy of that book. It sounds absolutely fantastic. Well, let's have a little bit of fun here and go back in time again and ask you to share your first really special car and maybe a memory you have of that vehicle. Mm, a special car. Okay. I have a special car, but it wasn't what I always wanted. What I always wanted is very different. <laughs> yeah, very well, that's, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm right there with you, brother. <laughs> <laughs> the first car I ever got uh, was the uh, Honda Accord 1986 2-liter automatic in blue. It was like a royal blue, metallic blue. It was beautiful. And I had bought it in Belgium, and I was living in Greece at the time. And so I was able to get it tax-free, actually, and, and, and drive it in Athens. Uh, it was kind of like a limousine, because in those days, actually, in the, in the late 80s, if you had a 1.6-liter engine and above, actually up to 1.6, you were okay. But if you, just, if you passed 1.6 liter, the taxes would go up exponentially. Uh, yeah. And that car was worth almost $100,000. Oh my gosh. It only cost me 13. I mean, to go to Belgium to, and to bring it back mm-hmm. it, because it was a two liter. Somehow they, they, the taxes on those were, they just used to tax the size of the engine. So I was able to actually have that car and people used to look at it like, Oh my God, who is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> Which is so funny when you think about that car, because you know, nothing really fancy or special or exotic yeah. about it at all, but very basic. But the yeah. funny thing is, I treated it like it cost a million bucks. <laughs> there you go. Very cool. I had it for 10 years. Wow. And when I sold it, the car was like I had it. It was like brand new. I used to hang clean <laughs> the engine, everything. I used to change the, you know, the, the, the brake pads myself, do, do simple things like that. Um, but I would have it serviced properly. And it was, it was like new after all those years. I loved it so much. There you go. Well, speaking of cars you sold, is there one you've let go that you really wish you had back in your life? Um, that would be the one. Okay. Because the, the interesting thing is after that, living in New York, I traveled with trains and all the jobs I had with, um, for when I was working with, uh, as a contributing artist with, uh, Automobile Magazine for about 10 years. They would send cars to the house, or I'd pick them up from the writer's house up in Nyack, New York, or I'd pick them up from the dealerships in Manhattan. So I was always traveling with trains to and from the city. Okay. I, lived in, I lived in Brooklyn for, yeah. for part of that time, and the rest of the time I was in actually in Manhattan. So I never actually needed a car in the city. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel I need one, and I was driving. I, I ended up driving almost 500 cars after 20 years. Oh, my God. Yeah, after a while, you, you get 10, 20, 30 cars, and there, then there's no interest in, in actually buying my own. <laughs> right, yeah, you get to drive all sorts of cool new cars, so why bother? So exactly. very cool. Well, let's talk about today and tomorrow. I'd love for you to share with the listeners what has you really excited, fired up today with the work you're doing. I have a project in mind to do. I haven't, I haven't started it yet. It's going to be another 12-piece portfolio. I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag just yet. Okay. But another project that I'm working on, which is uh, much more challenging, is raising my two little kids. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a job in and of itself, but certainly a very rewarding one as well. 
Most definitely, and I try to find as much time as I can. Time is a, is, is suddenly has takes a different dimension. Yes, we had this uh, <laughs> chat in our pre-show chat. I have two kids that are grown up now that have uh, finished college and are off on their own. But uh, you have little ones, so uh, yeah, different time in your life for sure. Certainly an exciting time as well. Here's a very introspective question for you, George. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be, and why? I would limit myself uh, if I said I was one one particular car right now because I I can't think of one particular car but I can think of the nature of of something else though. Okay. 24 hours of Le Mans. Okay. How would be any of those cars that that won that race? Now that is a unique answer. Now why have you taken us there? Because I approach it turns out now that I, literally as you're asking this I see all the aspects of my life my my business and my personal life and they're so intertwined I think what I've done is I've I've managed to actually get it to the level where I love or I love my work as much as I do my personal life it's it's not just work anymore yeah it's yeah. It's, it's not just business not that there's nothing setting me back it's more I freed myself more with it. So the lines between personal and business are, are are blurred right now. Yeah, yeah. No, I kind of like those uh, those series of uh, photo- photographs that you've made of the reflections of cars as well, which comes to mind. But I like the way you answer that. It's very unique. A Lamar winning car just blurring mm-hmm. down the Mulsane straight uh, back in the old days. Exactly, and it's it's really because I'm I'm goal oriented. I'm uh, I'm finish line oriented. Everything I approach in my personal business life, it's a goal, it's an idea. Oh, and I can't stop. I get tunnel vision, and I keep going. I persist. I don't give up. I don't care how many times I have to crash along the way. I'm going to get to that finish line. There you go. Very well said. Very unique answer as well. I like that, George. So up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's. Cars Yeah sponsors. Hey, Cars Yeah listeners, I have a question. What's the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior? It's with a car cover. I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft is the world's largest manufacturer of custom-patterned vehicle covers, and they are crafted to fit like a custom suit, with over 80,000 patterns available. And they're made in the USA. But Covercraft is much more than car covers. Their vehicle protection system protects your cars, motorcycles, watercrafts, and RVs, exteriors from the elements, and the interiors from the wear and tear of daily life. Car covers, front end masks, dash covers, seat covers, floor mats, and much, much more. Covercraft offers you a full array of custom accessories made specifically for and styled to complement and protect your special vehicle. Covercraft is the right choice. I use them on all my vehicles, and your special vehicles will love them too. Learn more today at Covercraft.com. And you can get free shipping when you use the code at checkout, CARSYEAH. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, FINRA SIPIC. 
Okay, George, we're back and we're entering the last lap, and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Don't crash the cars. <laughs> By Jamie Kitman. When yeah. I first started, he goes, the, the companies are giving you cars. Don't crash the cars. Don't crash the cars. <laughs> Definitely. You heard it from George. <laughs> Wise advice when you've got somebody else's car you're sitting in. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your success over the years? My persistence mm. and the I'm not going to give up attitude. Tenacity. You know, persistence, tenacity, mm -hmm. two very important ways to behave when you're an entrepreneur. I do a weekly blog. My blog was about those two words last week, as a matter of fact. So uh, very good. I like that. Now, how about a resource? There's a ton of them out there, but is there one in particular that you'd like to share with our listeners? Oh, most definitely. This is Now, this is an individual who's helped me uh, with that idea of create your own reality. Mm -hmm. I worked with him, uh, in, when I was in Athens. Actually, he's an American. His name is Kanta Katz. He's a wonderful, he's a wonderful therapist and he's an, uh, an energy worker. He works with a, with a technique called, uh, Tai Yi. And he was very inspirational and helped me a lot with redirecting, redirected my ideas and fine-tuning my ideas in very simple ways and very simple language. Now, does he have a website or book he's written where people could access that? Yes, actually, he has a, it's, his website is playandheal.com, and his information, his contact information should be on the site as well. How do you spell his name? K-A-N-T-A-K-A-T-Z, Kanta Katz. There you go. Now, how about a book? Is there a book that you've read that you think the Cars Yeah listeners would enjoy reading as well. I'm gonna have to say this because I'm really stoked about it. It's the it's the book that I've come out with. Yeah, I was hoping you'd say that. It's called Ferrari 275 GTB number 08011. There you go. And uh, I'll make sure that I post that link so that our listeners can get their hands on that book on your show notes page. And I'll remind our listeners, you can find all these great resources George has been so kind on his very own show notes page at carsyeah.com. Again, his name is George Saitas, S-A-I-T-A-S is how you spell that last name. And there's another great place on the Cars yeah website called Guest Recommended Books, where this fantastic book, make a great holiday gift, by the way, and all the past 617 guest books are listed for quick, easy clicks to buy. All right, George, we are up to the checkered flag, and this last question can be a real doozy. If you could have only one very cool collector car in your garage, and money's no object, I'm going to buy you whatever you'd like today, what would that vehicle be and why? The Ferrari 1959 250 GT long wheel base in silver. It's the California Spider, mm. uh, the competition version, and that car... I haven't seen it in person. I've seen it in pictures, mm -hmm. but I've seen other similar ones and uh, on the uh, on the fields in, in Pebble Beach. That's an amazing car to me. I think when I look at that design, it speaks to me so deeply. I I wouldn't be surprised if someone were to analyze the ratios on that, the mathematics of how that design is is what was um, was was constructed, mm -hmm. how the how the car was made, and there's there has to be like the highest level of sacred geometry in there. <laughs> it has to be like, literally, it has to be like fractal, fractals or some, some kind of universal. <laughs> Sacred geometry. Now, that's a very interesting way to think about it, but I, I understand. 
<laughs> I mean, it's a, it's an emotional experience to me. That car is so amazing. Yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, you picked a nice one, my friend, and you picked an expensive one. That's going to cost me a pretty penny. But, <laughs> but that's okay for you. I'll go out there and find one for you. And in fact, I'll even drive it down to California. I think that'd be cool driving over the uh, the highway 17 there down the grade towards uh, Bruce Canapa's place. He can uh, take care of it for you. Make sure it's always running well. So. Uh, <laughs> Very, very, cool. very nice <laughs> choice. <laughs> yeah, me too. George, you have taken me on an awesome ride today, and I've really enjoyed your story. So I want to thank you for sharing your journey with me and with the Cars Yeah listeners. Could you offer us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the mountains in that 59 California Spider competition version, of course? Follow your heart. Do what you love. And any obstacles that come along the way, just see them as, as things you can jump over or walk around or push to the side. Find ways to do that because there, there's nothing like doing what you love in the end. Yes, there is a wonderful piece of advice that fits with the mantra here at Cars yeah, inspiring automotive enthusiasts. And you'd certainly have been inspiring today, George. Yes, follow your heart, follow your dreams. Do what you're passionate about. Listeners, again, you can find links to everything George has been so kind to share on the show notes page at CarsYeah.com. Just type George in the search bar, and that page will pop right up. And I encourage you to visit his website. It'll be posted on his show notes page. Absolutely fantastic photography. Very unique, very different. I think you're going to be very pleasantly surprised. George, thanks again for being so generous today with your time and your expertise. I want to thank you for sharing your experiences with me and with the listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you, Mark, and thank you, listeners, as well. Take care. You bet. And I just want to let the listeners know here before I sign off, George was kind enough to send me a copy of his book. You've got to get your hands on this. It's absolutely fantastic. Again, it's titled Ferrari 275 GTB, number 0800. You can go to his website. You can order yourself one. This would make a fantastic holiday gift, birthday gift for any auto enthusiast who loves cars, loves photography, get your hands on George's book. It's fantastic. Thanks, George. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!